0: Welcome to the Talking Story podcast. We'll be your hosts for season one. I'm Lorenzo Roel flores Please, I'm Ezra Kikaway cook
1: And I'm Oceana Sawyer. In this space, as people of the global majority, we reflect on our experiences living here in Jefferson County, a semi-rural region of the Olympic Peninsula, which is primarily white folks
2: This is us, talking to us,
0: about us, for us.
1: This episode is about community healing. We have a conversation in this one with Velda Thomas, who's been around in these parts for many years, I think 14 in total. Velda was born and educated in the UK, with family ancestry sourced from Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas. Healing modalities have been of primary interest throughout her life. Felda has also worked as a kindergarten teacher, adult educator, birth doula, massage therapist, and sound energy practitioner. She's also a published author and printmaker. Velda is currently exploring ideas around the community and group wellness practices. She's a mother, partner, horsewoman, artist, nature lover, and world traveler. Currently living on a sweet piece of land in Port Townsend on the Olympic Peninsula in the USA. Welcome, Velda. I think I really want to start with your story, like how did you come to be the person, the artist that you are, and how did place either where you grew up or here, how does that figure into the kind of art that you generate? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, thank
2: you for having me, first of all. It feels like a really special thing to be able to sit with both of you particularly people from this community and talk about things together. So I really appreciate this opportunity. I grew up in the UK, so I was born in the UK. I am the first grandchild born to my grandparents who were immigrants from the Caribbean to the UK. In my heart and soul, I feel like I was always an artist always wanted to be an artist actually really wanted to be a visual artist visual art and writing poetry was for me a means to survival actually when I was younger I had a a not so easy childhood a lot of trauma my mom was unwell from the time I was eight years old with chronic illness and my way of expressing and surviving that was to create art so I always had a love for color for paint for anything actually really to do with my hands so crafts knitting just anything that I could do with my hands I would be interested in gardening like yeah so it kind of came naturally you know the way that sometimes things that are traumatic also become gifts Mm -hmm. that kind of like two sides of the same coin. When I was a teenager I really really wanted to go to college to do fine art and at that time in the UK it was free to go to college but my family told me that I would never make a living as a fine artist so I should think of something different to do. And. I happened to talk to a needlework teacher at school, in high school, about my love of creating and making art, and she suggested that I go to college to do fashion design, which is what I did. Mm. So I did three years of college in the UK to become a fashion designer. I worked in the menswear industry for a little while in the UK, and then realized that it really wasn't my creative jam. It was not really as creative as I thought it was going to be, not haute couture. (laughs) for sure right (laughs) so maybe throughout my life I've always been creating things whether it be like greeting cards or gifts for people that type of thing and then really I feel like in Port Townsend recently it's become more of I don't want to say that I mean in some respects if I'm really honest I could say well I've capitalized my my writing and my art but that's really not what I want to do Mm -hmm. I don't really want to have it be a monetary thing. I feel like for myself, it's almost like I'm going to do it regardless. And if people happen to get something from it, then that's wonderful. But Port Townsend has kind of been a place where I've been able to afford myself the time and the luxury to follow through with ideas where I wasn't able to before. So kind of having an idea and being able to actually pick up the paint and the paper, cut the lino, and just kind of go with it and give myself over to that, especially now that my kids are grown and I don't have as much tending to do in the home or outside of myself. Yeah.
1: Are you informed by the land that you're on or the beings of the land? I know you have a deep connection to horses, mm-hmm. But I also think of you as this sort of witchy kind of priestess who <laughs> finds inspiration and knowledge in the more-than-human world. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious how yeah. interaction there informs your art.
2: It's almost like I feel like I have to then go back again to childhood because I really felt like people didn't understand me. I felt... Very misunderstood as a young person, up through my 20s. But I felt like plants, animals, and the elements, I had a connection to those, and they understood me. And babies, actually, like new humans. I felt like I had kind of an affinity with those beings and felt comfortable, I felt seen. I spent a lot of time gazing at clouds, or daydreaming out of the window in school. Like, I was oftentimes kind of like, what are you doing? Get, get back into the classroom. You've got your head stuck in the clouds. you just just it in your own bubble, mm-hmm. kind of. Those were things that were often said about me, and I really did feel kind of like, yeah, less affinity with humans, and particularly adults,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and more connection, more ease, more understanding by other-than-human kin. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like, you know, that also has its time where it kind of goes to sleep and then it comes back again and goes to sleep, it comes back again. I guess it's been a thread that I followed. So when there's been an impulse to kind of connect in that way to land, when I say it's kind of like in that way, what do I mean when I say that? When I say connect in that way? I think what I'm talking about is full body sensory listening, getting your bare feet on the earth, and allowing yourself to feel things and maybe even not filtering, like feeling feeling into your heart and hearing maybe words or feelings that, I think sometimes as people we're like doubting that that's even real, but mm-hmm. I don't doubt that. I kind of feel like my dream life is real and that that I connect to is real for me. So I trust in that. And it's brought me a lot of comfort in my life actually and a sense of deep embodiment. Mm. Because I I really think that, you know, as humans, we're oftentimes trying to escape life, you know, whether it be with experiences, drugs, just trying to kind of like get out of this body. And And in my experience, I feel like it's so easy for me to like flip out of my body. Somebody can say something to me that, It might not even be something that is even that they're even aware that might be hurtful to me, but they could say something to me, and I'm just out of my body in seconds. It's really easy to pop out of my body. It's really hard to be fully embodied in this body with my feet anchored to the earth. Mm. So I feel like my practice has been like, what can I do to be fully embodied? And the only way that I know to be fully embodied is to feel, to allow myself to feel all that is coming through. And then if I'm lucky, I can put words to it, or images to it, or there's a memory that I can make into art of some sort.
1: You have me completely breathless at feel all that I can feel. Yeah. Because I'm sitting here in my black body, and I'm talking to you in your brown body, With Lorenzo here in his brown body, and I'm thinking, Feel everything? There's some stuff I don't really want to feel. Mm -hmm. But you have gone there. And what do you do with that journey, with that energy? Well, I've been writing a little bit about
2: trauma and trying to write about trauma in a way that is trauma-informed. So not talking about the actual event, but talking about like the mechanics of trauma in my body. And in my experience, if I'm trying to run away from what I feel, it has power over me. But if I turn towards it and face it, I have been through times in my life where I felt like, oh my God, you know, I'm just such like a raging volcano inside of here. I might just spontaneously combust, right? But in reality, if I turn and face it, I don't. I find courage. Mm. I find strength. And I find a way of being with those parts of myself that I might have pushed to one side. Hmm. Making friends with the darkness, maybe, is a good way to Mm. Maybe that's one way to explain it, yeah. And like, how much self-love can I have for the parts of myself that are unlovable, or I feel are unlovable? Mm. Can I love those parts? Mm -hmm. And what happens if I do? What happens if I do for me is I soften, And I become more human. I think that's one of my key questions this time around is like, what does it mean to be human? And then going back to kind of like what you were saying about the otherworldly, I feel like my feeling of connection with things that are not human, horse, Mm -hmm. helps me to be more human. It's like their reflection is kind of like, so horse. I don't know how else to explain it. It's like a horse can only be a horse. A dog can only be a dog, right? Mm -hmm. So when I spend time with them,
1: I feel my humanness. Right, because there would be something very authentic about a horse or a dog. There's no Mm subterfuge. There's no one there trying to be... No pretense. ...something other than what they actually are and was performing.
2: Yeah. And one of my favorite things is like, you know, when you have a dog and you come home, they're happy to see you every single time you come in the house. Mm -hmm. Right? It's Mm -hmm. like, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that about dogs,
2: about animals. Yeah.
1: Do you feel like that sense of humanity, humanness, has been hard to hold on to in a place like this?
2: That's a really kind of complex question. I think that a sense of humanity or kind of really like grasping how can I be more human? It's like such a huge question. I think it's like a lifelong task. And I think that wherever I am, I'm going to be mm-hmm. still working on that question regardless of place necessarily. It's my question.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: In some ways, you know, if I think about traveling, for example, I think to myself, you know, when I've been in places where there are more majority brown people, I feel more comfortable. I feel like I have more access to my muse and my creativity. It's like it's on the surface more because I can relax because everybody around me looks like me. Mm -hmm. So there is a sense of maybe a veil or something that maybe is present in this particular environment. But I think it's also kind of like, oh, you know, how how can I be human here? How can I be more human here? Of course, there's always going to be things that happen to you where you think to yourself, wow, that really was not a humane thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like I'm saying I'm perfect. It's my question, you know? It's like a, a constant pondering, like, in all events.
1: Yeah, um, I know that uh, for me, I feel like... One of the things about this place is that it's spacious, mm-hmm. and the energy of the land is just like, oh, right here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no asphalt or other things yeah. that are in yeah. the way. You can just, like, grab hold of that. And I feel like my relationship with the land here has afforded me a different sense of self.
2: hmm Yeah.
1: Because it includes more than just my ethnic identity or my gender identity Mm -hmm. or whatever other social locations, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to claim for myself. Mm -hmm. So as you said, the the dogs and the horses are authentic themselves. You know, the tree outside my window is Mm -hmm. just tree, tree, Mm -hmm. you know. And so that kind of coming down out of identity and then relating with just... Another living being is, it feels kind of revolutionary in a way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I
2: grew up in very urban environments, kind of inner city, urban places. I was lucky that my grandparents, you know, being the age that they were when they came from the Caribbean to the UK, they were very earth-centered people. So I had, you know, you could call it like a template that I, even from when I was a young child, I could follow my grandfather around Mm -hmm. the garden and have my hands in the earth and play with worms and climb the fruit trees and play with chickens. And there were horses across the street from where they lived. Even though it was urban, it was still kind of back in that time where horses were used to do certain things. And also, you know when I grew up there wasn't this whole matrix of social media and all of that so so the time that you had you spent outside or with your family and friends so just a different different way of being one of my favorite things when I was a young child we used to go to the beach in the summer for like two or three weeks and that was like a blissful time and sometimes now I think to myself oh Lookie, I live 10 minutes from the beach in the salt water. What a beautiful manifestation of something that in my childhood was so dreamy.
1: It's funny you say that. I was <coughs> in Seemarie Furman's writing class that mm-hmm. we did, the Central Writings Workshop we did in, back in July. And she said that if you look at where people live in their older period of life, you'll probably find that there's a direct correlation between that place and where they spent their vacations as a child. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yes. There we go. Confirmation right there. And as soon as she said it, everybody went, Oh, (laughs) that explains everything. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it's funny, even that, though, we were talking with a guest that we just had on here about land back Mm -hmm. and this idea that we could even have agency to live where we want to live Mm -hmm. is relatively new Mm -hmm. in a historical narrative yeah and I feel like after that conversation and now I'm, I'm sitting here with you guys I'm thinking I want to stop being so surprised that we are on land I want to be more like in the vein of like, we are here. And so let's just make this. Yeah. Our own. The thing that sustains us.
2: You know, sometimes I think about this kind of tendency to, to shrink and not want to occupy space energetically or physically, you know, kind of like, Oh, I can't go to that because it's going to be majority white people. Why not? You know, like. I just went to a cold plunge with pretty much so all white people. It's like, I feel like the water is mine too.
0: Mm.
1: There you go. Yeah. And it's easier
2: for me to be in the water with a group of people and stay in that cold water for a period of time than it is to do it by myself. So, hey, I'm going to tap into that collective energetics that's right there available to me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes there'll be stupid people that say stupid things. But, hey,
1: You're there. I'm there. Getting the same Doing information. That's yeah. right.
2: So I wrote this poem because I have been pondering what it means to be individual and in community. And that, I guess the wondering started happening when I took a trip to Virginia. And when I came back, I was like, how does family become community or how can community start to feel like family what would be the components that would make being involved in community feel like you're part of a family so I wrote this poem for the benefit of all when community becomes family facing life's hardships holding on to one another with hope for the future finding peace through laughter for the benefit of us all. A herd of Mustang, alert and alive, with split-second reactions rippling into one another for the survival and benefit of all. The bone-known migration of a million wildebeest moving together, finding fresh grassland for the benefit of all. A murmuration of birds that dance and never collide, supporting one another in protecting roosting sites for the benefit of all. A whole colony of honeybees swarming, taking the chance to expand into new territory in order to thrive for the benefit of all. Fish shoaling appear as one, creating safety in numbers. Group protection from predators for the benefit of all. Dolphins leaping, collecting, finding wisdom as they joyfully soar, sing, and gather. Nurturing and caring for one another, for the benefit of all. How do we humans move, repair, and restore ourselves for the benefit of us all? Predators sinking into nonviolence, aiming to violate nothing in thought, word, or deed. Let us keep searching because... We are Earth and have not found us not yet.
1: Wow. Okay, let's talk about
0: for the benefit of all. yeah. 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 yeah I love I love that connection to the animals that felt good. mm-hmm. And then connecting it back to us at the end. You know, yeah. It's like, what could we be doing? That's to the benefit of all, like yeah. everything else in nature does. Yeah. I think you were talking about in the pre-interview, we're all kind of stuck in like a hyper individualism mm-hmm. mode. And mm-hmm. it's hard to get out Absolutely. <laughs> and be with community and make that community a family, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Yeah. And also, I think that, you know, one of the things I think I was... I don't know if I was really trying to get this across, but just really wanting to reinforce that we are Earth, we are nature, we are animal. We're actually not that separate from all of those things, but somehow we've managed to separate ourselves to the extent that we feel ourselves above. And my wondering is like, yeah, how can we be together for the benefit of everybody?
1: This is one of the things I've been contemplating. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When we say the benefit of all, the way that you constructed the poem was, you um, talked about individual beings in a species Mm -hmm. and how they move together for the benefit of the Mm -hmm. herd or Mm -hmm. the flock or Mm -hmm. whatever. And how that becomes a benefit for the flock, but it's also a benefit for the entire ecosystem because, as you point out at the end of the poem, there is no difference. Mm -hmm. That abstraction is something we created with our Mm -hmm. brain somehow when we develop language, which is a whole other topic. But this part where we hear right now, Mm -hmm. you know, this little band of People of the global majority trying to figure out a way of how do we start to move together as one, as one, mm-hmm. so that we all benefit. Mm-hmm. And what I've been talking about to people in the larger community is you actually want us to succeed <laughs> right. because if we succeed, you know you can and you will. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know you have this concept of like communal wellness versus individual wellness can you like say more about that absolutely yeah I mean I have for the past
2: well we can just say like for my whole life until now I have been focused on working with individuals right who come to me and they pay me by the hour to body work sound healing any kind of number of energy work shamanic work whatever it is and Right now, my desire is to to explore what the possibility is for wellness within groups, and particularly within groups of people of the global majority at this time. That's what I'm interested in. So my thought is, say for example, we're talking about having a cold dip, next week with people of the global majority. What does it look like for us to be together, to be in the water? The water itself is kind of a a conductor of energy. It's also connected to all the salt water that's on the planet. So it's connected to our ancestors. It's, It's also symbolizing the content of amniotic fluid before we were born. There's like so much symbology in water that is healing. We drink water, you know. This whole saying, "Water is life." It truly is life, right? So, my thought is that by us collectively finding a way to be in the salt water, particularly here in the Pacific Northwest, where the temperature is somewhat uncomfortable, I'm not going <laughs> to joke about that, right? It, it's somewhat it's uncomfortable. Old, but but what is it? What does it mean to kind of like? Be in the water together and support one another through that discomfort. It's easier to do things together than it is alone, is the message, right? Mm. So if we can be together, we can surmount things that we can't surmount by ourselves. And I'm just using the example of cold water to be one of those things that hopefully would then transfer to our lives outside of the water, even though we may only be in it for three minutes together. But looking at one another, feeling one another's energy, and feeling the vitality within our group that might come from that one act. Mm -hmm. So this is one of my interests in exploring water. And I think it would be a whole other conversation to really talk about the history of the diaspora in water, black diaspora in water is a whole other conversation that is a little, maybe a little too much to get into right here and now. But I also think that, you know, what does it look like if we plan a hike together or we, we have these somatic experiences that could be strengthening to our system that can help us live together? And also help us hopefully deal with health issues because, you know, metabolic issues are kind of the core of PGM community. You know, diabetes, weight gain, inflammation, like all of these things are prevalent. And if there's a simple way that we can do something together to get a handle on that, then I'm all for it.
1: Oh, my God. You said so many things I want to unpack. (laughs) First of all, let's just start with you said symbology of water, which I, I know that you meant that on one level, but I also know you that water is not a symbol. Everything you said about water is just true. Like water is conductive. Totally. Water is amniotic fluid. Mm-hmm. Water is
2: life. Mm-hmm. And we in our human bodies are cellularly
1: 99% water right so this is not even an abstraction it's not it's not even a symbolic thing it's Mm -hmm. actually just real yeah Mm -hmm. and as you were talking the other place i went to was because you and i talked this morning about my malaise at the moment (laughs) around you know the fires the air what's happening with orcas Mm -hmm. and honestly this thing with fukushima releasing so-called treated radioactive water Mm -hmm. now into the pacific into Mm -hmm. a system a closed system, okay? Mm-hmm. And I just had this idea, this flash, that maybe black brown bodies in the Salish Sea could be a way to, in a fractal sense, heal what's coming. Absolutely. With this. Yeah, it's going to be reciprocal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's
2: going to be reciprocal. It's kind of like, I feel like it's an act of personal reclamation to say, I belong in this water. I'm comfortable in this water. I'm going to be in this water because I am part water. Mm. And of course, that's going to have a ripple effect out into the environment, right? In some way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like being in the water, we're mammals. I don't know how many miles whale sounds can travel, but singing in the water, the water is a transporter of sound as well. So,
1: yeah. yeah. And then this other piece you brought up around how us being in the water, we develop a muscle mm-hmm. around yeah. how we can be in hard times with each other mm-hmm. and make it through. Yeah. It's not a strategy. It's not like some objectives. If we do X, A, B, and C, yeah. then we together can become a strong community. Just that literal sense of, mm-hmm. We don't even have to talk minutes. about it. Yeah, you know, We don't even have to
2: talk about the fact that we're building the muscle. We're just kind of like, you know what? We can do hard things together. And this is uncomfortable right now, but we're going to stick with it. It's just cold for three minutes or more if you can. If it feels good to you, more. If it doesn't, then you get out. You
1: know? Oh, I just love the way you just said that. It's just cold. Yeah. It's just money Mm -hmm. it's just land it's just energy Mm -hmm. is ultimately what you're saying here and to have some agency around Mm -hmm. like energy and it's also like you were talking this morning about
2: a reset you know kind of having it be something that because it's a somatic experience it's going to pull all of that energy into your center to be with it And then when you get out, you'll release it. So it's kind of like also a a clarifying, I was going to say like a baptism, almost like we're getting into the water, we're having an intention, we're doing this thing together, and we're going to be different when we get out, in some way. Mm. And it'll be different for everybody, right? But collectively, we will have had an experience together. So when I see you, I'm like, okay, yeah. We did a thing together and it was good.
1: Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then that other piece you brought up around, you know, we could actually heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. These ailments that are brought on in mm-hmm. to some degree right. by systemic oppression we can actually heal those. And these are very simple ways of connecting with the natural world, water, that our ancestors knew. Mm -hmm. And other beings around us right here know to do that. We could just tap into that and do that.
2: Yeah, we've forgotten a lot. We've forgotten so much. It's like, how can we remember what's good for us? You know, I was talking to Eileen the other day, and we were talking about these old-time remedies, and I was telling her how, you know, the really disgusting-tasting remedies that my grandmother used to make me have on a daily basis, castor oil, cod liver oil, mixed with orange juice, or, you know, something to kind of try and make it palatable. It was disgusting. But this was what she had brought with her that she knew was good for health, Mm -hmm. that I still remember now. And I have my things that I'm going to, you know, pass down to my kids, and you have your things. You know, together we all have our things that we're, we're trying to remember, like, can I remember the recipe for wellness mm. and not be so focused on fear and always looking outside of myself for the remedy? Why do I feel like I need to look somewhere else? I'm guilty of that, of myself always. But I feel like, you know, what I try to tell myself is, you know what, if you sit still long enough, and you're quiet and you're really listening to your body, something will happen. Something will come and you'll hear something or you'll have a little like maybe an image of a plant that I don't even know that I can research or something will happen. It could be something as simple as just drink some more water, Velda,
1: and you'll feel better, which is true. hmm. Yeah. Almost always. Almost always. In fact, I can't even think of a time when it's not true.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Eat something, drink some more water, maybe have a nap. (laughs) All that. Take a walk in nature. Yeah. Yes. And sit quietly with yourself. Don't feel like you have to entertain yourself all the time. It's okay to be bored and be quiet.
1: And so what is the leap, the benefit that occurs when we shift from an individual mindset of wellness? I mean, that's a whole statement right there to unpack. Like how is that even possible?
2: First of all, I wanna say that the other thing that I feel committed to right now is offering things that don't cost people money. I feel like my practice before as an individual was inaccessible to a lot of PGM people. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. now I'm looking at like, oh, could I actually unpack my own capitalist system here and see what happens? Because maybe, maybe if I unpack my capitalist system and I'm more in the flow with what is really true to me, then abundance will come somehow, right? That's the other part of this kind of community wellness thing is
1: I don't want to charge people money for what I'm doing right now. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I put this in the last email for the potluck because I've been looking at the new economy models. And a lot of them are based on this. It's not just African, but I know it's Mm -hmm. a piece of Mm Africanity, this reciprocity Mm -hmm. and circularity. Mm -hmm. So like I want at our Sunday potlucks, to be not just about food but whatever surplus you have, bring Researches. it. Yeah. Let's keep it in circulation, right? Because right. the new economy is not going to be based on right. money because right. that's an abstraction. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: of course, you know, there's a part of all of us we need money to live,
2: right? We got to buy food or we got to pay our bills, we do need a certain amount of money. So, you know, for me right now, it's like just this week I was asked to do a a few things. And I was like, you know, if I can bring my horse deck and I can sell my horse deck, then I won't charge you anything for doing the event. But if I can sell some of these things there, then that works for me because I already have that product. But I feel like in the realms of community wellness, wellness, just like art, culture, should be accessible to anybody that wants it. Mm education should be accessible to anyone that wants it. It shouldn't be that I want to be educated and I have to pay $300,000 to get it. If you feel like your calling is to be this and you need that education to get it, you shouldn't have to pay for it. If it's your life's calling, your vocation in your life, right?
0: That's just, that's hitting close right now. I mean, I'm going to college. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know it's like, it's not just that it's something that you want to do. It's something that you got to work for more than just like right. your own brain. You got to work for like the money, <laughs> a lot and of money. To be there. Like, yeah. you got to prove to people that you deserve this education or you deserve right. to pursue what you want to do with scholarships and all that type of stuff. And, and
2: does it feel punitive?
0: Yeah, I feel, I, feel, <laughs> I don't know. I feel. With scholarships, I just felt like I was begging for money mm-hmm. just for college, mm-hmm. just so I can do something that I feel like should just be provided. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it, <laughs> I feel like it's one of those basic needs yeah. to mm-hmm. be able yeah, to. I agree. Pursue what you want to do, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And and then you become a functioning, healthy adult in society that's mm-hmm. going to contribute. Mm-hmm. Why is that going to cost you money? Mm-hmm. We should be paying you, right? Hmm. You know, for me, in the UK, when I grew up, education was free. Mm -hmm. So I didn't grow up with that kind of pressure. I'll say education was free, but there was a lot of competition to get into the school that you wanted to get into. So you had to prove yourself to be worthy in a certain way. But it wasn't like, oh, when I get out of this, I'm going to be paying for half of the rest of my life, this debt, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My feeling with community wellness is, I don't even really want to see myself as the facilitator. I want it to be a group activity that other people can also bring what they want to it. I don't want to be like, I'm the leader of this and I'm gonna do this. I would love for it to be shared leadership in any of these activities, because I believe that each individual knows what's right for them. You know, deep inside they do. Sometimes you just need a little, you know, remembering. Sometimes you have to awaken the remembering.
1: How do we cultivate that sense of listening to yourself, listening for what is actually right and true for you to do, whether it's wellness or anything?
2: The first thing that comes up for me is trust. Hmm. Like, do we trust ourselves? Do we trust that? And that comes back to, am I looking outside of myself for an answer, right? So do I trust that I have the answer inside of me that is right for me in the moment? And sometimes, of course, you might need someone to bounce some things off of, but for me, I feel like I do trust, you know how we talk about like gut instinct or something just felt right to kind of like really follow those impulses. It just felt right. Like, sometimes I feel like, oh, you know, I've had my finger in a lot of pies this lifetime around. But I think everything that I have done is fed into who I am now,
1: Mm.
2: and who I'm becoming. Nothing is wasted. It's grateful for all of the things that I've learned and all of the experiences that I've had that have made me who I am now. I mean, when I think about trust, I think about things like, for example, years ago in Port Townsend, I went into the co-op and I saw this poster on the notice board. And it was a poster of a coyote's face. And underneath it just said shamanism and a number. And I was looking at that poster for minutes. I was like, wow, okay, that something about this is really attractive to me. I don't know what it is. And at the time I was having experiences with horses where I felt like they were telling me things and I was a little distrustful of that because there is that fine line of like, oh, you're hearing voices, you're bordering on psychotic. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's a, it's a, it could be a fine thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. But what I did was I, I looked at the poster for a little bit. I wrote down the number and I thought, okay, I'm gonna call this number. So I called the number. I spoke to the guy who was offering a course in shamanism on Maristone Island. And I said to myself, hmm you know, this could be something that could be interesting to me. I told him about my experiences with horses, and he kind of validated them, but said that, you know, the course was not specifically about, like, animal communication in particular, but there might be some things that might interest me. So I signed up to do the course, and I did a three-year part-time training with this man in shamanic studies, and eventually he left the area. But what that led me to was... Through doing that course, I met a woman who lives in Port Angeles named Vicky Dodd, who teaches vocal sound for medicine. So that led to that. So I guess what I'm saying is if you trust and you step into the stream, it will lead to Mm -hmm. other things that you can follow that may eventually lead to something. So then I worked with sound for a while and then I was like, you know, I need to know more about the human body. I want to know more about the human body. I think I'm going to become a massage therapist. I'm like, what are you talking about? You want to be a massage therapist now? I'm like, yeah. Because in some ways, massage is like a gateway drug to any other healing modality. People will come and they know massage, they'll sign up for it. So, my idea was. I'll practice massage and then that will lead me to practicing sound and energy work with people and eventually shamanic work with people. But what ended up happening for me was I got kind of stuck in the massage track because it's hard for people when they experience that it's hard for them to shift to other things. But I guess I guess what I'm saying is that being willing to be present within your own evolution. I think that's what I want to say. Mm. Like I'm an ever-evolving being, I'm not the same person that I was yesterday that I am today, even an hour ago that I am now, so if I can be with that continual change and evolution in my body and my being, I've lived a good life, right? I think so, yeah. You know, and and of course there were other things that came off those avenues and now Here I am saying, well, I want to focus on art and writing and community wellness. And if I can be with horses, I like that too.
0: What visions do you have for group community wellness in our own PGM community here, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like our me against the world, capitalistic Mm -hmm. mindset, what we were talking about earlier? I'm interested in where do you see yourself in that sort of future? Yeah. Yeah. I feel
2: like we've had some obstacles with getting our first cold dip happening. It will happen eventually. So it's like we we haven't been in the water together yet. So I feel like my intention will be to feel into that and also not to have it be my agenda, but to meet what people want. Like maybe people don't want to hike. You know, obviously, the things that you have created, Oceana, which are beautiful, these community nourishing meals and gardening and all those things are fabulous. People are interested and they show up for that. So it's kind of like, what are people willing to show up for? And what's going to feel good in being together? You know, how can we feel good together?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I think the focus for me is definitely on somatic experience. So I would love to do something like build a sauna and have a community sauna. That would be amazing.
1: Yes. I say yes to that. (laughs) Okay.
2: So I am thinking about health and wellness and like strengthening our physical. I guess if you strengthen the physical, you're also strengthening other emotional, mental, spiritual, but... Yeah, kind of like looking at that as a beginning of like physical, somatic experience together and then seeing what people show up for, what they're interested in and where that might go, yeah. And different people may be interested in different things. Like the other day, I was kind of like, wow, you know, we've got six bicycles sitting here at our house. Maybe we could take a bike ride together, you know? Or maybe it's like we can take some longer walks or just different things that might feel good,
1: yeah. That's such a good idea. Like, just announce a hike. Yeah, i
0: mm-hmm. with the PGM. Hike,
1: you would be done. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun, yeah, that's right? a great yeah. idea. I like mm-hmm. the bike ride idea, mm-hmm. too. I have yeah. a bike that's gathering dust. Yeah, exactly,
2: <laughs> yeah. So kind of like getting our bodies moving and being together in that, yeah. And mm-hmm. supporting one another in that, because not everybody's going to have the same physical capacity, but we, you know, figure it out. We can make it work,
1: yeah. You know, it's funny when you say that, because one of the things i've noticed in the dinners and anything else i've done here is i always start with this might not work Hmm. i'm starting to overuse this word experiment now (laughs) this might not work Mm -hmm. but you try it Mm -hmm. and then a few people might join you but then the word gets out Mm -hmm. like you know this was pretty good you might want to go to Mm -hmm. the next one so I think that it's worth trying anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter who shows up. No. If you just do yeah. you, exactly, yeah. then people will join or they won't. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're still doing yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And then I think the word ripples out from there. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I also kind of like the idea of, I guess I would call it, home visits. Like a group of people that just go visiting people. I kind of like that idea because I feel like sometimes... One-on-one connection can then lead to your community connection. But if you don't have connection with a person, you might not come out, especially because we're coming out of this tremendously isolated period of time that we've been in. You know, like when I grew up, doctors would do house calls. (laughs) So kind of a similar thing like that, like we're just going to come say, hey, like bring you a little gift and tell you what we're doing. And then who knows what might happen, right? To just kind of, gather more
1: momentum yeah that's funny you mentioned that because when you were talking earlier Mm -hmm. I was thinking about one communal project not even a project that thing that's happening that not that many people know of and I'm just so glad I get to be a part of it there's like literally a group of women people in femme bodies who among themselves can invoke a healing circle yeah exactly you know what I'm talking about yeah you know I just launched a big project, and I'm completely drained. Can we gather for my restoration? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that kind of a home mm-hmm. visit, I would love that. Mm-hmm. And I actually have benefited from not being the recipient, but just literally being a participant Absolutely. in the circle. Absolutely, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Because one thing that I know from working with bodies is that what I find in your body is also in me. Yeah. It's not exclusive, it's both. So, you know, when I hear something in your body, it is absolutely applicable to my own being. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been such a rich conversation. I'm completely inspired. I'm like (laughs) popping off with things to start now. (laughs) Thank you, Good. You're welcome. You're so welcome. For the benefit of all. Mm. Well, leave it to Velda to take beloved community to a whole new level. What a wonderful meandering journey through all the ways that we reclaim, recover ourselves, and how the capacity for resourcing is exponentially expanded when we do it together. Next up, is a very special conversation, which is appropriately, although coincidentally, timed. It drops next week, the day after the day of mourning. Some people call it Thanksgiving, and don't even try to sell us on a day of gratitude. <laughs> uh, uh-uh, uh, Not this crew. We will be talking with Chastity, Jess, and Naomi. And our final episode, Land Back Reparations. I hope you'll join us.
0: We appreciate you for listening to this episode of Talk and Story. Music is provided with permission by Ben Wilson at Camilla J.
1: Talk and Story is a project of well organized and has enjoyed the support of the Port Townsend Arts Commission. Jefferson Community Foundation, Finn River Farm and Cidery, and the Community Equity Initiative, as well as private in-kind and monetary donations.
0: If you'd like to support us, please go to well-organized.org to make a donation to the Talk and Story podcast. That's well-organized.org. Thank you.